The content discussed in this episode is for educational or informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And you're tuned in to Dotev the Podcast, where we chat and explore all things on integrative medicine. So we have a super special guest with us today. He is one of the pioneers in bringing Ayurveda to the UK and an influential figure in this space. He is the director of the College of Ayurveda and president of the British Ayurvedic Medical Council. He has almost 50 years of experience as an Ayurvedic physician and a Panchakarma specialist in the UK. So I shall say no more and just go ahead and give a warm welcome to Dr. Maruf Ati. Thank you so much for coming on to our show, Dotif the Podcast. We're super glad to have you here with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me for this discussion. So I guess today we're going to be talking about, you know, the cardiovascular and heart disease impact into the South Asian community. So I wanted to read a quote that said that according to a WHO report by 2020, South Asians will comprise of 25% of the world's population, but will suffer over 50% of the world's cardiovascular deaths. So I think that's like an incredibly alarming statistic to read and, and concerning actually. Do you think that like in terms of the cardiovascular health in the South Asian community? Is it something that is prevalent in our genetics or is it something that, you know, is caused by the environment? What is your take on this, Dr. Atik? Yeah, now cardiovascular disease is one of the five biggest killer in the world. And um, among, high among the Southeast Asian can be related both to the genetic makeup of, of that community as well as the environment within which the community lives. Now, the genetic makeup is only a very small element, which is about 5%. And the 95% is our lifestyle, the way we interact, the way we relate to things, nutrition, mm-hmm. um, and our exercise, sleep patterns, and all, the, all these things are together, we lump it as a lifestyle. So mm-hmm. now those are the environmental impacts. Now, the genetic uh, component is something that we can hardly change. Now, the, the major cause that the Southeast Asian countries are with a very high rate of heart disease mortality is because they have gone through a massive change in, mm. in their way of living. And um, that change has impact mainly both in their genetic component and in their adaptation. They have made a massive change in, in the way they consume their food, in the way they relate to the environment. So when you refer to change, are you saying more about like the immigration? So people who've like immigrated to a country, that's the change that you're talking about? That's one of the major current changes. But if you go evolutionarily, it changes is when the conquests and the, the country was taken over by foreign right. power. Mm. And these changes impacted more. And then it sort of planted the seed Right. So Mm -hmm. that migration also puts an effort into our normal routines. Now that Mm -hmm. plays a major role in creating disorders or diseases. Right. So everything that we take in for our sustenance, for us to live, we have to eat. That's our first Mm -hmm. major important component that we take in. Second, we have to breathe. Mm -hmm. So we take the environment in. Thirdly, we had to interact with the environment. We had to relate with the environment. Yeah. Now, these three things are, when we are born, it's all uh, genetically determined. 
So as we start living, these changes creep into our system. Right. So our bodies constantly have to adjust and change. And there's only a certain limit how much our body can change. Mm -hmm. So if it exceeds that limit, then there's a breakdown, in, like in anything. So we kind of touch upon the environment part. So could you tell us about the difference between what we are born with versus the 95% you were talking about, that is your environment, how you eat, the changes that, that are around you. The 5% is what you're born with. How would you qualify those things? What is it from? Yes, it is, it is what we call the genetic makeup or the impressions that we get at the time of conception from both our parents. Now, yes. these genes are impressions which can be turned on or turned off due to environmental factors. Right. Now, these in modern science, we call as epigenetics, or mm -hmm. these are switches which turns those en endowed genes to, with which we are born. Mm -hmm. And that turning on and off, if it is in a regular harmonious pattern, then we sustain uh, our lifestyle as we are, the diseases which is prevalent for that particular region or country or things that, that works out. Nature has a way of equalizing everything. And so it basically nature is geared to preserve things, not to destroy things. It's man who destroys it. So mm -hmm. when man acts against nature, mm -hmm. he creates that sort of uh, destructive influence even within himself. Now, our body is never still. Every second, thousands of interactions takes place. Yeah. Because our cells change, cells have to be repaired. We are all constantly thinking, we are breathing, we are acting, we are moving. All of this requires energy. Energy mm -hmm. is a transformation of food that we eat and the air we breathe. The glucose from our carbohydrates go into our mitochondria. The air we breathe in go into the mitochondria, which produces the energy which is necessary for every single function in our body. Even thinking, even when we are sleeping. And that is what we call as basal metabolic rate. We are using energy. And then if we are using energy is changing interaction that between the ATP, ADP, constant change. When that mm -hmm. constant change is occurring at a very, very fast rate, there is always reasons to, for things to go wrong. And if we don't keep ourselves in harmony, in um, balance, now these things can accumulate. Our genes are made in such a way, we have what we call repair genes in our body, which can right. automatically repair any change, damage occurring to these inscriptions or instructions, information that allows things to happen within our body. Mm -hmm. If we keep eating rubbish, things that is polluted, heavily processed, too much of sugar, too much of salt, too much of fat. Now, these are processed food. Every processed food has additives, preservatives, which are not part of the normal food. If you yeah. take a, a vegetable from your garden or from a market, it doesn't have within itself any preservatives or additives or insecticides or pesticides unless we put it into them. Right, right. Yep. It's not, not part of the normal routine. So these additional things are the one which causes the disruption hmm. that break down in our system. So it's first to clean up the way we eat our food. There's a lot of talk about vegetarianism or meat eating. It's not meat eating that is bad or good, or vegetarianism is bad or good. It's everything that what your body needs had to be simple, 
easy to digest and easy to assimilate for the body to work with without much effort. If we put right. additional things into that, then the body has to do additional work and that will be using more energy. Now that is the sort of seed for any type of disease. As you just mentioned, uh, I was a, a patient with a heart disease. Now mm -hmm. I come from Sri Lanka, which is a Southeast Asian country. Yep. I came here, I was about 25, 26. Okay. Now I have been here for the last 50 years. So that's, that's a long time. <laughs> A third of my country is in my birth country, where my gene pool is, and I come 93% from Southeast Asia. And there is a little bit of variety from other Mediterranean countries. Mm, wow. Yeah. So, so I have a question, Dr. Atik. You, you mentioned like genetic factors and environmental factors, right? And in the environmental factors, if you had to break it down to some degree, right, as an overall umbrella, what kind of environmental factors would contribute to enhancing or, or making your, your pre-existing health condition worse or you know putting you in a position where it, it will be worse when i came to the uk i had no heart conditions i was perfectly a healthy specimen but right. mm -hmm. the the stresses firstly is the nutritional stress my whole diet pattern changed right. i was right. eating McDonald's, i was eating um, burger kings and whichever i can get hold of i have no time i've been working very hard and things right. my whole uh, routine changed and the second is the environmental impact. It's the stress that the, the change brings about. Then you come okay. from one environment to another environment, you have that initial adjustment. Now, if you don't manage your stress, then the stress becomes disruptive because stress, that is a very primitive reflex in everybody from our ancestors thousands of years ago. It is the same effect like in a thousand, two thousand years ago, People were worried about the lions and the tigers in the jungle who is going to kill them. Yeah. yeah. Now, the worry, the stress is still there, the same stress. But now different. we are worried about our neighbors. Right. <laughs> yeah. How we manage that stress is very important. Now, there are a lot of techniques that we can use to do that. Now with uh, meditation, mindfulness, right. yoga skills. Uh, but yoga is a whole philosophy of calming yourself, your mind, your outlook. Exercise is just physical work. Mm -hmm. What do you think makes Southeast Asian men more predisposed for heart diseases? Um, one is the type of genes that uh, cannot metabolize fat properly. So that tends to allow the fat to accumulate and get uh, lined along the arterial walls and cause mm -hmm. atherosclerosis and hypertension, high blood pressure. Now, high blood pressure is the first symptom. Um, of a, a heart disease. Anybody who have high blood pressure or diabetes are at a high risk for a heart disease mm -hmm. or a stroke. Right. So that is our first. And a lot of our Southeast Asian people are also on the obese side. Now, obesity is a very big uh, endemic, massively mm -hmm. taking place all over the world. And this obesity is brought about mainly our change in our habit. Mm -hmm. Our sedentary lifestyle, our eating patterns are changed. We mm -hmm. eat on the run. Um, we don't digest our food properly. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, if you look back at our time, when we eat, you always sit around the table. Always there's a family meal. Mm -hmm. Now we don't have that anymore. So the, the whole habit has changed. And unless these uh, foods are digested, eating is not enough. It's not what is on the plate that is important. It's what's digested and absorbed into your bloodstream. Yeah. That's where it counts. But if we don't give that time and uh, the necessary space for that to happen, so if you're always 
on the move, mm-hmm. uh, not concentrating on the food we are eating. Yeah. So enzymes that is necessary to digest the food are not going to come in in proper quantities uh, or proper quality, and the digestion will tend to suffer. Yeah. Yeah, I think the culture is that we have to be fast-paced. And yeah. I remember reading something where they said if you're on the go and you're eating, it is one of the worst things you can cultivate uh, as a habit because your body is correlating stress and food as the very foundation of how your body is going to process food. So exactly. that really resonated with me. It made me realize how my habits for the last like five years, for example, every morning rushing to the office in traffic, I'll be having like a sandwich. That would be my breakfast rather than sitting and eating like at the dining consciously, table. yeah, yeah, being mindful of the practice. It's how we consume. Are we giving right. time for that sandwich mm-hmm. to be digested? Mm-hmm. We are sort of uh, doing two or three things at a time. So our body is not geared to do two, three things at a time. Right. And you briefly mentioned that you've experienced some of those those changes as well, and you've experienced yourself a heart a heart disease as well. Um, so I uh, started getting my blood pressure going up, and also we have asthma uh, within the family. So when I went to the GP, uh, they mm-hmm. thought. It, it must be asthma. Right. Because right. whenever they did my cardiovascular the ECG, they said, oh, it is normal. Your breathing difficulties and your tiredness is related to your asthma. So I was on bronchodilators. So you noticed that your blood pressure was rising, that mm. already on its own. How did you recognize that? Were you already monitoring yourself? Uh, no, first I was having headaches. Right. I was okay. feeling tired. I was having headaches. And then I went to have my checkup done. Okay. Initially, I didn't pay much attention. I just thought, oh, it's stress. And I do some yoga or meditation. And then Sahasana was very good. I used to practice almost every day. Mm. Uh, it's a, a technique where you um, tense your body and let go. So you calm yourself. You increase your parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. We have two okay. nervous systems within our body, which are automatic, which yeah. regulates everything that we do, apart from our central nervous system, which is voluntary. These are involuntary. And they have two. One is a stimulator. One is a relaxant. The stimulator is the flight and flight syndrome, which is a protective mechanism. Um, which keeps us alert all of the time. So we are worried about the tiger behind us. Um, yeah. So it keeps <laughs> us ready for either to fight or to fright, fly or to freeze. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the other one is relax and digest. And so also we have, um, it's nurturing. It's, right. It nurtures our body. It, re- it allows us to regenerate, recuperate. Now that is controlled by the, parasympathetic nervous system or the vagus nerve, which controls every single activity that goes on in the body and it regulates, it's that one. So by deep breathing, we stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. You will always see when you are stressed, your breathing becomes very shallow, very rapid. Right. So shallow breathing is of no use. Mm -hmm. That's like a quote that we need to use. Shallow breathing is of no use because like even if you think about it in another way shallow means also like without meaning or fast-paced breathing has no use it applies for all facets of your life exactly shallow is not necessarily the the best (laughs) because when you breathe in the air has to go right into our alveolis Mm. the smaller breathing tubes where air exchange can take place so we need to really push our air down and that's what we do when you do deep breathing or in pranayama which is what we call diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these techniques have been there for years and years, for, sure. for centuries. 
But now science is rediscovering it and renaming it, validating ancient uh, rishis or uh, sages. So, so deep breathing is a, a very essential part. A lot of us, if you look at them, they're just breathers. We need to breathe from our stomach. Even if we have to do five minutes, that's fine. That's good. At least something is better than nothing. Mm. You have to change slowly every time, every day, little by little. You cannot do a massive change. Change is something nobody can do uh, all of a sudden. So that is the approach we need to use and try and change our habits slowly. Dr. Atik, would it be bold for me to say that um, with this this kind of concept for for shallow bre- uh, breathing, right? Mm. Um, for me, I, I feel like it's a it's a direct link to cardiovascular health issues because if they're not doing this on a regular basis, that means they're storing all this stress, which is contributing to the impact of how their heart is is operating for their body. Would it be accurate to say that? Oh yeah, certainly there is a link. It is the stresses which accumulates in our body, makes disease worse. But when we deep breathe, body gets rid of the excess fat which is accumulating. So for that blood pressure to go up, so you've not been oh, practicing yeah. that. <laughs> you were younger days. You were too busy. <laughs> you're too busy. <laughs> I do all that. I mm. do a little bit of my meditation. That's useful. But uh, then there was no choice. When it came to yeah. our situation, when there yeah. are structural changes, you have to go for chemical medicine. You have to go to, to take Western medicine. Your lifestyle changes are not going to change acute conditions. If you are in mm-hmm. acute pain, go and see the doctor. Mm-hmm. After that, when your pain has abated, then rethink of, of your lifestyle, of the way of what you eat, how much right. of rest you are taking, how much of exercise. So it's what we say is uh, prevention is better than intervention. Mm. So it's interesting to it's interesting to see how you make the parallel between modern or Western medicine as like a chemical medicine, right? Because what basically you've been saying is that for blood pressure to be regulated, you needed you know a pill, you needed modern medicine to intervene because it was immediate. it was acute, it was immediate, and you needed that as like somewhat of an emergency. But then once that is regulated, you you want to go and see kind of how you lead your life and what are the things you overlooked for you to get to that situation. Um, So it started with headaches. Mm -hmm. You saw your blood pressure was high. And what did you do afterwards? Yeah, blood pressure was high. And then we went to the GP. He wanted to put me on blood pressure medication. I was a bit reluctant. I was not a a fan of chemical medicine, really. Maybe my fault, I sort of neglected the factors that contributed to the rising blood pressure and causing cholesterol being deposited in the blood vessels. That went on. Mm-hmm. And then I had these, after the blood pressure, I had difficulty in um, uh, exertion when I get tired very quickly. When I walk a, a big long distance or when I climb up a hill, I had to stay for a little while, catch my breath. And when I went to the doctors, they, they did an ECG, but the ECG looked normal. So they attributed that to my uh, history of asthma within the family. So I was treated for asthma. And then when we, we used to go on holidays uh, back to Sri Lanka at least once a year or even. So one of these times, my wife and I, we said, okay, let's do a health check. Yeah. And then we went and had a health check in one of the hospitals over there, which is a good one. And they discovered uh, that um, my blood pressure was too high and have a look at the heart and then put me on the treadmill. 
this they didn't never did that to me in in the UK. So I went on the treadmill and I collapsed. Wow! And they had to resuscitate me, and then he did an angiogram. Oh, wow. And on the angiogram, he said, "You got four of your blood vessels supplying blood to your heart is blocked. You need to very quickly do something about it, either a stent or an angiography, or you, you're not going to survive." Mm. So I said, "No." They wanted to do it there in Sri Lanka itself. So I said, "No." I had to go back. I had to consult my family and everything. So when I came back, and within two months, I had my angiogram, all my blood vessels were replaced, and um, now it's it was surprising. It's interesting how you're the one who had to bring it up to your GP, but I think that uh, it's potentially highlighting the fact that um, kind of those predisposition or those um, patterns in terms of sicknesses for different ethnic backgrounds, where mm. when you're going to see your GP, potentially he or she is trained in you know the UK system, so they recognize the patterns that are more mm. prevalent. In their region, and so potentially yeah. for Caucasians, this is not something that is something that they learn to recognize. And yeah. so it's so, only when you were back in Sri Lanka where you know the, this is quite common. Yeah. And yeah, that's a very important point to see because you see, you had to treat the whole person, right? No use treating the parts of a person. No use treating because I feel tired or my breathing is not good. So look at the lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to become the whole thing. How I live. How I move about how I eat, what stresses I have, mm-hmm. what worries, how I relate to the uh, the rest of the environment, what pollutions are around me, what food I eat, all these are equally important. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, GPs did that. GPs knew everybody within the family. We had a, a really a family doctor. Mm-hmm. He go to a medication, he will ask, oh, how is your parents and how is your brothers and sisters? He, nowadays, the systems have all changed. Right. It is we don't have time. We can't blame anyone it's because it is, um, as we go up more and more, we are aware of more disorders. Then most of the people who go to the GPs can do with some advice, lifestyle changes and things, not use the GP's time. Where the GP's time can be used for other important uh, areas. So now they sort of ration uh, mm-hmm. the way you have only 15 minutes with a GP and you can only treat one complaint. It's so interesting how it's evolved like over, I guess, the last few decades and how life has changed completely because a a large part of this is also like capitalism, right? The fact that it's so busy that doctors cannot like attribute that more than 15 minutes to a patient. And I guess in that sense, we should really have a more preventive, uh, proactive approach to our health and looking at like the multiple means or methods to be able to like manage our health outside of just like Western medicine, right? Yeah, this is most important. The whole training process is to quickly identify, diagnose, and then give a pill. Uh So we have what we have in the GP is a pill to an ill. You complain of headache, you get a tablet. You complain of knee pain, you get another tablet. So you end up with a bag full of tablets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. But instead of that, if we look at the whole person and uh, focus more on illness prevention or health promotion, and that is what is more lacking in our national health system. And how did you use natural kind of preventive uh, ways to go about your health for heart disease? Yeah, Yeah. because um, in an acute state and the immediate condition when I saw things were going wrong for me, I had to do surgery. 
Right. After surgery, I have to think back uh, the way I am living, my lifestyle, the diet I take. I'm eating too much fat or too much sugar, too much salt. Mm -hmm. And these things attribute to, oh, I'm eating more refined food. So I had to go back to like whole meal, uh, brown bread, rice. I mean, it's no uh, harming eating. We We don't take enough fiber. Within our fiber is very important to regulate the gut health and also to maintain our microbiome. Mm. Our long history of having antibiotics have changed a lot of people's gut bacteria. The gut bacteria is very, very important for our health Mm -hmm. because there is a symbiotic uh, relationship with our uh, bacteria. Then we feed them and they do some uh, useful work for us where the body cannot do. By giving antibiotics, we kill, we wipe out all those good bacteria, the good ones. Yeah. And doctor, did you use Ayurveda to help you manage your health after your surgery? I used both medicines, chemical medicines, as well as Ayurvedic medicine. But uh, one thing is you should not mix the two together because they have different functions. There are different rates of absorption then one will interfere with the other. I use Ayurveda as a preventative medicine and chemical medicine as something for acute care, which is mm. needed for that time to manage that situation. Once right. we got that under control, next step we need to think is how can we keep it down and prevent it getting any further or causing more damage or more risk. And this is where then you need to think of your food, you need to think of your lifestyle and how you manage or cope with your stress. Also, social relationships are very, very useful. We are getting more and more isolated. Right. So social interaction is very, very important. Or having a pet is a, a good way to interact. Yeah. Opens a it's new... Dimension um, of conversation and, and, and just interaction. Yeah. Like it, it's literally food for your soul. <laughs> Coming back to the, that concept of body-mind uh, connection. So what would, what would you say would be like three key takeaways for people who are either predisposed or, you know, might be in that situation, uh, who already are being regulated through Western medicine um, with heart disease. Take some time out for yourself. Right. Relax a little, sit back, give at least five, 10 minutes to uh, de-stress, meditate, or do some yoga, or even exercise, and look at your nutrition. What you put into yourself? Are you putting wholesome food or are you putting processed food? Um, but it's how much we eat, when we eat, and this is more important than what we eat. We may eat the best food, but if that food is not properly digested and absorbed, and that is going to waste. And mm-hmm. so concentrate on your diet. Mm-hmm. So breathing and, and food. And, and what would be the last one that you would recommend for people? Laugh. Laughter? Laugh as much as you can. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but I it's true. It. It's true. It's exercise. When you laugh, you get about 10 or 20 muscles that exercise in your face. Mm-hmm. When you don't laugh, you don't exercise any of them. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you laugh, it creates a lightness in your mind. Mm-hmm. When you're sad, you can't laugh. Yeah. So it's getting to, with people, interaction, social interaction. Develop a, a, a group. Talk to people. Yeah, we can laugh and have fun. Keep safe, stay healthy, be happy. 
Oh, <laughs> these are my three takeaways. Amazing! Thank you so much. This is yeah, nice. that's so sweet, and it's yeah, it's just a holistic way of li- living life. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to your roots. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. For now, stay safe, and we'll see you next week.